beloved, let us go out into the fields and lodge in the villages. Let us go out early to the vineyards and see whether the vines have budded, whether the grape blossoms have opened and the pomegranates are in bloom. There I will give you my love. The mandrakes give forth fragrance and beside our doors are all choice fruits, new as well as old, which I have laid up for you, O oh my beloved. This is the Lord's word. All right, uh, we are uh, uh, almost finishing up the series. We are uh, going to be looking at one last chapter next week, that's chapter 8, and that will conclude our uh, seven-part series uh, from uh, the Book of Song of Solomon. It's been a it's been a fantastic series. Uh, uh, personally, I've I've learned so much. It's been good for us for our marriage, uh, and I, I hope it's been a blessing for you. And I, I know I've I've talked to many people, and I think it's uh, it's been a tremendous blessing. I think God has blessed some of the uh, risks we've taken in terms of just uh, uh, venturing into this book. And I think it's a, it's a beautiful book. And I, like uh, Spurgeon says, this is like uh, kind of a it's like the tree of life in the middle of the Bible, right? It's, it's a gem, it's practical, it's wisdom from God. So we've seen this couple uh, through various seasons, right? From the time of their attraction uh, to their courtship. We've seen the wedding. Uh, we've even seen uh, how they manage their conflict, right? Uh, so today, uh, today we are going to look at uh, how they are married and how, uh, how their marriage looks like. Uh, one of the things we're going to look about, talk about today is how do you keep romance in marriage alive? How does romance uh, look like in a marriage? When a couple is married for a while, how does that look like, right? And usually in culture, we have uh, this common thing that people uh, say it in, in uh, uh, is uh, just a sarcastic way that marriage uh, is the end of romance, right? Marriage... Uh, uh, ends romance and happiness, okay? Uh, but I want, but I want to tell you, marriage does not end romance, right? Uh, you guys able to hear me? Yeah, okay. Uh, marriage does not end romance, uh, but there are certain factors uh, that can that can rob romance and intimacy in marriage. There are certain things that can happen uh, that can actually uh, create some of these issues in marriage. Why is that, right? So I, I, let's just think about this. And I want you to uh, just think about uh, romance and intimacy in marriage uh, li like, a, like a bonfire, right? You're, you're setting a campfire, you're lighting a bonfire. Uh, when you're setting up the fire, uh, there's a lot of excitement in just getting the flames going. People are excited when the campfire is lit up. Uh, so there's a lot of thrill about that. Uh, but then keeping the fire going is, is hard. Right? Getting the fire started is not, is not a big thing, but keeping that fire going uh, is, is hard work. Right? And romance and intimacy in marriage is a very similar analogy. Right? Uh, when the honeymoon is there, when you're newly married, there's a lot of uh, excitement going on. But as the relationship matures and as the love deepens, uh, it, it is practically impossible to be like how it was in your honeymoon time. Right? Obviously, things changes. There are seasons in life. There are challenges in life. Uh, but you don't have to let the fire of romance and intimacy die in marriage. But there are certain things you could do 
right? And one of the things you don't do when you want to keep the fire going is, uh, is throw kerosene or, or petrol or one of those gasoline into the fire. I mean, it can just spark something, but, but it, it is not going to have a lasting effect. So how do you keep the fire going in a campfire? You, you throw some twigs, you throw a log, right? You, you, you blow uh, oxygen into the fire and you blow some air and, and you keep building the fire, right? That's very similar in marriage. In marriage, to keep the romance and fire and, and intimacy going, uh, you, you, you throw a few logs into the fire. You oxygenate uh, the marriage with life. Right? So there are, there are many things that can, uh, can kind of make romance and intimacy fade in marriage. And th- these can be uh, uh, something, uh, th- and this n- need not be a problem every time, right? It, it could be certain problems in marriage. It could be because of unresolved conflict. It could be because the couple is not on the same page. It could be because there are some little foxes that are running around that we've talked about. It could be because uh, there's a lack of trust in the relationship. And these are real issues uh, that can rob romance and intimacy from marriage. But it is not just that. It could be just life. It could be just the busyness of life. It could be uh, uh, issues with finance or health. It could be issues with aged parents or children or stress. It could be any of these things that can kind of rob that romance and that excitement from marriage. But God calls us to tend to the fire. You don't have to let the fire die. There is wisdom in God's word to be able to tend that fire. So this morning, we're going to look at uh, how do we build this fire up? How do we rekindle? How do we renew passion in marriage? How do we not let the fire die out? But what are those logs? What are those things that we can throw into the fire of romance and intimacy that can keep the flame burning in a marriage? Right. So we're going to look at two practical steps. Very simple, just two things, but it's got a lot of applications. Uh, but let's look at these two things. The first one, first one we find in this passage is that you declare your satisfaction in each other. How do you rekindle romance and intimacy in marriage? How do you keep the fire of romance and intimacy going in marriage? The first thing is you declare your satisfaction in each other. All right, let's look at verse 1. Chapter 7, verse 1, it says, How beautiful are your feet in sandals, O noble daughter. Your rounded thighs are like jewels, the master, the work of a master hand. Right? You, you notice, I don't know if, you've, uh, if you notice this, in chapter 4, he begins to describe her beauty from top to bottom. Now he starts from the bottom to top. Right? And uh, basically, he, it is kind of showing that he is noticing other things, not just things that are visible, like the hair and eyes and uh, her face, but, but he's noticing other things because they've been married for a while now. Right? So he begins with her feet, and he calls her noble. Though she is from a common, simple background, he calls her his queen. He calls her noble. Right? Because of the way she carries herself, because of the way she is graceful and full of dignity and glorious. Verse 2, he says, your, your navel is a rounded bowl that never lacks mixed wine. Your belly is a heap of wheat encircled with lilies. 
He describes the navel, which is the hips, and he says uh, it's like a bowl that never lacks mixed wine. What is he saying? Your, 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 your hips are intoxicating. They are arousing. And then he describes a belly. He says it's a heap of wheat, right? And I, I would say don't use this line with your wife. She may not like this. Uh, but, but what's happening here, right? This is a couple that's been married for a while. Uh, uh, they've, uh, uh, they've lived life. They, they've probably had children. Uh, they, they are not young and athletic and slim. They've put on some weight, uh, but still attractive to each other. They are still attractive to each other. They are still pursuing each other. He is still admiring her, not just for her physical characteristics, but, but just for who she is. He is admiring her for her character and grace and love and strength. The way she handles people, the way she handles herself as the queen, the way she handles children maybe. So he's admiring her beauty in and out and he's describing it to her. Verse 3. Your breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle. We've seen this before in chapter 4, and he is still the same. And you notice he, he is still gentle with her. He is still tender. He still uh, is patient with her, right? He's treating her uh, delicate, and he's enjoying her beauty. Verse 4, your, your neck is like an ivory tower. Your eyes are pools in Heshbon by the gate of Beth Rabin. Your nose is like a... Tower of Lebanon, which looks toward Damascus. Uh, he's talking about her neck. He's saying your neck is uh, full of dignity and stature, like the ivory tower. He suggests uh, that it, 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 there is strength and there is character, and it is precious like ivory. He talks about her eyes. He compares it to the pool of Heshbon. That is a city which has refreshing ponds. And he says, when I look into your eyes, it looks like the pool which reflects the beauty of others. And so I look into your eyes. It is refreshing and peaceful and attractive like the pools in Heshbon. And he says, your nose is like the Tower of Lebanon. Again, talking about her strength and attractive character and dignity and even the symmetrical nature of how she is, how she looks. Verse 5, your, your head crowns you like Carmel, he's talking about Mount Carmel, and your flowing locks are like purple, a king is held captive in the tresses. He's comparing a head uh, to Mount Carmel, uh, which stands tall and majestic. He compares her to somebody who is full of wisdom and virtue. She stands out among everybody. Uh, he compares her hair like the purple threads, which was precious and expensive. It was royal and regal during that time. And he says, I am captivated by your beauty and by your love. What's happening here? Right? What's happening here? So you see a couple that's been married for a while. They've lived their life. They've gone through seasons. They've gone through ups and downs. They've faced challenges physically, emotionally. Uh, they've gone through all these things. But you see a couple that is still pursuing each other. They are still delighting in each other. How is this possible? Right? How, how is this possible? How do you keep the fire of romance and intimacy and excitement in marriage keep going? How do you keep this burning here you see a couple who, who, who are deeply satisfied in each other. And they are not just satisfied. You see 
them declaring that satisfaction to each other. And this is absolutely important. This is the first log you throw into the fire, right? You declare your satisfaction through physical, verbal, nonverbal expressions of love and expressions of deep satisfaction. Verse 6, he says, How beautiful and pleasant you are, O loved one, with all your delights. He says, you delight me, you satisfy me. You gratify me. You please me in every way with all your delights. This is kind of a deep satisfaction that is only possible in a covenant relationship where a couple is pursuing each other with love. My friend, this kind of a deep satisfaction in physical intimacy is impossible in any one-night stand, in any casual hookups, in any of those flings. This is impossible. We are talking about something that is deeply enriching, satisfying, and delightful. This, there is a growing satisfaction. This, is, this happens in, in the bonds of a safe, secure, committed relationship in marriage. And this is God's design. This happens in a marriage that is open and honest and vulnerable. This is God's design. This is God's desire for us and our marriage. So how do you rekindle romance in marriage? You declare your satisfaction in each other. Don't take it for granted. Declare your satisfaction in each other. It does not mean they are perfect. No, they, they've gone through their ups and downs. They've had conflict. We just saw that last week. Uh, it's not that all their expectations are met. It's, it doesn't mean that they've achieved all their goals they've set out to achieve. No, my friends. But there is a deep love, there is a growing love, there is respect and honor, there is trust. They are growing, maturing in love, and this is the byproduct of that. Declaring satisfaction in each other is fuel. It's fuel for romance and intimacy in marriage. This is what fuels it. This is what rekindles it. It's those little logs. And we see this in Proverbs 5.18. And Solomon writes, he says, Rejoice in the wife of your youth. He doesn't say rejoice in your young wife. No, rejoice in the wife of your youth. Meaning, hey, it doesn't matter how long you're married. Rejoice in the wife of your youth, whom God has given you. Growing satisfaction from years of commitment and living life with each other. He says, rejoice in that. In verse 19, in Proverbs 5, he says, A loving doe, a graceful deer, may her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. And we see this happening in this couple, in this relationship. They are still desiring each other. They are still pursuing each other. They are still intoxicated by each other's love. Why is this important? I, I, want, I want us to think about this. Why is this important? Ranjit, why, why can't they just know, right? And this is what I would, I would think, right? 15 years, <laughs> this is the way I would. Deepa, why, she, when, she, when she asked me, do you love me? I'm like, wait, wait, 
why don't you know I love you? Of course I love you. Why can't we just know? Why do we have to tell it? Why can't we just know it, feel it? Why can't we just trust each other? Right? Somebody told me, actions speak louder than words. You might be laughing right now, but we were just talking about this last week. Actions speak. Why can't, why can't we just, hey, why can't we just, just, just know this? Why do we have to tell this? Why? Because, my friends, we are broken sinners who need affirmation and encouragement. Th this is true. And I want you to think about this. Think of, think of a child. As a parent, if you think of a child, uh, let's say you've given all the toys the child needs. You've given the best school the child needs. You've given all the comforts and money and everything that the child needs. But you have never, as a parent, as a father, or, or as a mother, you have never told the child, I love you. you. You've raised the child for 20 years with all the gifts and riches and comforts of the world, but you've never said, I love you. Think of what the child is going to be. They're going to hate you. right? It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what vacations you take them. But that simple affirmation, but the opposite is true. They may not have comforts. They may not have all the money and all the riches, but an affirmed life, a parent who shows and expresses and declares the love and approval in the child makes the child thrive and be confident. That's the way God has designed us. Think, think, of, think of how God does it. God, God doesn't tell us, Ranjit, how, how many times I've told you I've forgiven you? Why can't you just feel it? Why can't you just know that I love you? No, God doesn't treat us like that. He constantly reminds us of His love. He reminds us of His forgiveness. Why? Because there's something about my broken heart that forgets it, that is not able to trust it. But God doesn't take me for granted. He lavishes His love. He declares His love for me again and again and again. So my friends, both husbands and wives need this. It is not just the husband needs it or not just the wife needs it. Both of you need this in your marriage. Declare your satisfaction. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't say, Ranjit, but I, I pay the bills. I take care of the home. I take care of the children. I make sure there is food. I make sure I'm paying all the bills. I, I make, I, I'm making sure everything is done well. Yes, that is great. That is honorable. That, is, that is, needs applause. That is wonderful. But my friends, don't let the weight of responsibility kill romance in marriage. And I want you to think about this. Yes, you are responsible. Oh, yes, you never miss a deadline. Yes, you've been honorable. Yes, you have provided. Yes, you work hard. Yes, you've taken care of the home. Yes, you've done all these things. But my friends, don't let the weight of responsibilities kill the romance in marriage. Don't let it happen. Don't let it happen. All, all I'm saying, right, practically, this is what it's going to look like, right? I'm not, I'm not saying you need to write seven or eight chapters like this book, right? That's not what. All I'm saying is a single word. 
a single word of appreciation and affirmation in marriage can spark the romance. And maybe you're single and you're thinking, Ranjit, what, what, what are you talking about? This, this is so obvious. This is so obvious. This is, <laughs> this, why are you talking about all this? This should happen. Yes, this should happen. You'll be surprised how it will <laughs> does not happen in marriage. It's a single word. A single word with love. And when you mean it with all genuineness, can spark the romance. Can rekindle romance in marriage. So if you don't know where to start, and especially guys, and I'm talking, uh, sometimes women are much better than this, and maybe some men are good at it, it's wonderful, right? But uh, where do you start? Okay. If you don't know where to start, let me give you a couple of phrases, right? Just two phrases, right? Say, I love you. <laughs> it's very simple, right? And I was talking, I'm going to pick a name here. I'm going to, uh, Kagui and Kam, because they shared this in the groups on Thursday, and Kagui was sharing how every, every day when uh, Ka uh, Kam was sharing how Kagui, when he leaves to work, uh, he basically just kisses her on the forehead. And he says, I love you, and he goes to work, right? And, and she was saying it with so much pride and so much joy. It just takes a simple gesture. It is just a simple word. So the first one is, I love you. The second one is, say thank you. Right? It's, it's, it's not rocket science, but my friends, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, oh... It is so hard for me to say that I love you, right? After 15 years, Deepa has been training me, right? Every day, Anjit, tell me, <laughs> you love me. Uh, I, it's been, it took five years to say I, right? And then it took another five years to think about, uh, I love, I love you, <laughs> right? 15 years, it's taking a while, right? But be patient. It is not easy. It, but, but this is what sparks romance. This is what energizes the marriage. It is as simple as that. And, and something like this, it's like compound interest. If you understand the economy and uh, banking, this is, this is compound interest. What you put in is little, but what you get out of it in marriage is, is so much more. Right? This energizes the couple. This energizes your husband. This energizes your wife. Say it again and again, as often as you can, in as creative ways as possible. Say it, say it, let them hear it. Don't assume it, don't think it. Declare your satisfaction in each other. Look at what happens in verse seven. Verse seven, your stature is like a palm tree, he continues, and your breasts are like its clusters. I say I will climb the palm tree and lay hold of its fruit. Oh, may your breasts be like the clusters of wine and the scent of your breath like apples and your mouth like the best wine. It goes down smoothly for my beloved, gliding over lips and teeth. I am my beloved's and his desire is for me. I don't have to explain this verse. You know what's going on. Uh, but there is a growing freedom. There is a growing intimacy. There is an increasing delight. There is a growing satisfaction in marriage. This is not an abusive relationship. This is not taking advantage of each other. This is not, nothing offensive in the couple. It is not contentious. But you see a love that is blossoming, a love that is maturing and sweetening. So this is the call of scripture. God calls us to tend to the fire 
of romance and intimacy in marriage. Pay heed to God. Pay heed to what God is saying. And, and you see this, and in verse 10, she says, she says, his desire is for me. I am my beloved's, and his desire is for me. His desire is not for work. His desire is not for his friends. His desire is not for his hobbies. His desire is not for games. His desire is not for, for material things. His desire is not for money. His desire is for me. How does she know this? How does she conclude this? Oh, how does this energize her? Because, because he does not just show it in nonverbal things. He is declaring it again and again and again. Friends, declaring your satisfaction for each other oxygenates your marriage. It breeds fire. It breeds life. It breeds oxygen into the fire in romance and intimacy. And this is how covenant people work. When you're married, we make a covenant with each other. And the covenant is not just to keep us from leaving each other. No, the, the covenant is not just to leave, not just to keep us from leaving. The covenant is actually to, to, to make sure we are pursuing each other as well. That is part of the covenant. Covenant is not you, you say something on your wedding day and you forget for the rest of your life. That is not covenant. Right? Covenant is not just a safety net so, the, so that you don't, you don't break your mind. No, that is not just the covenant. Covenant is something that you declare your love to your spouse again and again. Covenant is something that you choose your spouse again and again and again. That is how covenant people live. Right? You're walking towards each other. And my friend, remember this, it's, you don't stumble into, into a good marriage. You, you don't drift into romance and intimacy. It, it does not happen like that, right? It is very easy, right? If you, if you don't want this, let me tell you, it's very easy. If you don't want an exciting marriage, if you don't want a satisfying and fulfilling marriage, if you just want to be like roommates, not talk to each other, just kind of not see eye to eye, hold on to bitterness, not forgive each other, just like hate each other. If you want that, it's very simple. You don't have to do any, any of this thing. You can just live. You don't have to do anything. It's very simple. It's very, very easy. You just be in your marriage, it will drift slowly and break down, right? It's very easy. You don't have to do anything. And we've seen people like that. We've seen people, maybe even in our own families, we've seen people who are arguing with each other, who, who never talk to each other, who never say anything nice to each other as a married couple, who hold on to bitterness, who cannot trust each other. We've seen this. And you wonder, how does it happen? It happens because of this. If you are not paying attention to God's word, if you don't have the discipline of declaring your love and your satisfaction to each other, it's going to slowly drift and the fire is going to fade in the fire of romance and intimacy in marriage. I mean, why is this important? Again, I want you to understand, right? Especially in our culture, the reason why I keep saying this again and again, because I know, because I am part of this culture and I know what I do. I know what I've done for 15 years. I know this is hard for men, maybe even for women. This is something that's hard for our marriages. But listen, I want you to pay attention to God's word. Why is this important? 
my friend, because this is how you honor God. When you declare your satisfaction in each other, you honor God. You honor God the way he has made each one of you. You honor God's design for marriage and his purpose for marriage. You honor him when you obey what he says and you want to work at it. This is how you honor your spouse. You honor her as somebody you love. This is not about your preference. This is not about saying, I am an introvert. I can't speak. I don't like this. It's too. It's not about you. The moment you get married, it's not about you. Would you prefer another man or another woman come and affirm your spouse? Is that what, is that, is that what we want? Right? Would you want your spouse to look for affirmation and satisfaction outside from the workplace or somewhere, somewhere else? Because there is a void. There is something that we long for. Yes, God does that. And a spouse confirms and affirms that as well. So you honor your spouse this way. And thirdly, this is the best thing you can do for your kids. The best thing, I'm telling you, the best thing you can do for your kids is not earning money, is not getting them toys, it's not taking them on vacation. I'm telling you, I have no idea what gives my dad God. I have no idea what. Nothing. The only thing, the best thing you can do for your kids is to love your spouse. That is going to energize your children. When they see the husband and wife, the father and mother, one, when they see them loving each other, respecting each other, my friend, that is going to deeply impact the child. That's the best thing you can do, is to love your spouse and respect your spouse. Hey, that's the best thing you can do for yourself. This is the best thing you can do for yourself. If you want a life of joy, if you want a life of peace, you want a life of honor, you want others to call you blessed, you want a life uh, where you are confident, my friends, this is the best thing you can do for yourself. Listen to God's word. So firstly, you would declare your satisfaction in each other, right? Second. Second. You plan for seclusion with each other. You plan for seclusion with each other. How do you rekindle the fire of romance in marriage and fire of intimacy in marriage? You declare your satisfaction. You plan for seclusion, right? Verse 11. This is what she says. Verse 11. Come, my beloved, let us go out into the fields and lodge in the villages. Let us go out early to the vineyards and see whether the wines have budded, whether the grape blossoms have opened and the pomegranates are in bloom. There I will give you my love. What are they doing? They are planning a getaway. They are planning a retreat. They are planning time away from work, from the busyness of schedule. They are planning something which is romantic, right? They are thinking about this. And here's something I'm going to say which might sound like a contradiction for you, especially for young people, but this is true. Romance needs to be disciplined. Romance requires discipline. Romance, romance, yes, there's spontaneity and all that, but it requires intentionality. If you are not intentional, it's going to kill the romance. You've got to be intentional. You've got to fight for romance. You've got to do that, right? The, the, you go through different seasons. You go through different challenges, but you need to be disciplined in this in a marriage. 
do not do not let anything come in between you and your wife or you and your spouse put it on the calendar schedule it true romance involves work and discipline this is how, this is how the fire keeps going and the rewards are great so this is what she says it's her idea wonderful right what an amazing she says let's get away let's go early like ah, she's giving ideas let's go early let's connect that's code word she is telling him right she's initiating she's saying let's get away and i'm so glad he is reciprocating right so when when one spouse initiates when one spouse gives an idea the other spouse reciprocates you 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 go along right don't say i don't have money it's going to cost me i don't have work and don't, don't. try and work it out there's something that's being said look for gestures in marriage when when something like this is being said look for it and make it happen nothing expensive don't think of expensive stuff and one of the things i keep telling young couples when they get married they're always thinking of flashy stuff oh, flashy 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 right to it can be something simple take a take an airbnb in chatarpur same effect when you go to singapore right it's all the same right make it cheap and inexpensive right? i'm not saying don't be cheap but hey don't let expense stop you from spending time with each other it is the thought and the purpose you got to be intentional have some weekly rhythms have some monthly rhythms have some annual rhythms that is inexpensive listen to your spouse when your spouse says something listen pay attention right and, and, and in our marriage deepa always says let's let's uh, let's go for ice cream right but yeah let's go right we go to naturals uh and we invite the gogos <laughs> we think let's go to ice cream right listen these these are simple things it's not expensive you get 80 bucks of ice cream you're all happy it's a good these are the small logs you throw into the marriage right go for dinner and i'm not saying we don't do it every week it's not like but then we know when we've not we've not connected we've not done this we've not gone out for dinner we know right so immediately when your spouse says something listen to it right put it into practice go for dessert night or go for dinner go for walks in the park for heaven's sake do something get out of the house with your spouse hold hands don't be like me feel free to hold hands whatever that is listen to cues look for gestures look for ideas right go for annual getaways right don't there's only two two or three days we celebrate in a year one is valentines day right to the other is maybe the birthday or something right forget those days you do whatever you need to do on those days but pick another day on the year right another week in the year where you can get away right making you can go maybe for a weekend or something have a good time don't tell me past time busy don't tell me i'm busy right after reading song of solomon if you're still saying you're busy i i don't know <laughs> we need to have a chat right i'm ready to go to the village i'm ready to go find a lodge right do something right what do you need are you busy with emails what are you what are you checking emails for right plan something don't say ranjit we've got kids i've got three kids you know i've got some creative i can tell you some creative ideas right in our house and i, I don't know if deepa will like this but in our house we uh, 
Uh, we try to save money by sleeping in the same room so that we don't put AC in every room. So we're all, so for six months in a year, we're all sleeping. There. All the three kids around us, and we are sleeping. But there's always, the kids don't know this, right? Hopefully they're not listening. <laughs> but there's always time when we'll be like, all right, kids, uh, time to sleep in your own room under the fan, right? We're like, uh, they're like, oh, daddy, why? No, no, watch a movie, enjoy your time. This is camp time, go. Why? Because I want the AC to myself. I, I want to enjoy the AC for a little bit, right? So, so be creative. Don't, don't tell you're busy. Don't tell you have kids. When you go out, and one of the things I do is we book two rooms. We're like, dude, I'm not getting the kids. When I'm, when I'm paying for my vacation, I'm going to have a separate room for me, right? We, we get another room. Get somebody else. Call uh, good singles you can trust. Tell them, hey, bro, you want to come for a vacation with us? Come. Let them take care of the kids so you can kind of relax a little bit, right? So we've got some people we call like that. <laughs> they, they don't know this. I'm sure they'll stop coming after this. Do something. Don't let excuses kill the romance, please, right? Don't tell I'm not a talker. And, I, and when I talk to guys, they, I can sense this because I'm like this. I'm like this. Don't tell I'm not a talker. I'm not a talker. I told you, 15 years, I, I'm a romantic robot. You know what that means? I, I freeze. You, it, it doesn't work. There's no battery working in my uh, romance. I'm, I'm not, I, I can do a little bit, but not, I'm, not, I'm not a natural like Rajesh or others, right? I'm not a pro, right? I'm, I'm, I'm very awkward, but it's okay. It just requires a simple word, right? Just get it out. Just, <laughs> just say it. If you can't say it, write it. Do something, right? Say it. Hang out with others. Relax. Look at what they're doing. Verse 13. I love verse 13. Look at what she's doing. The mandrakes give forth fragrance, right? Mandrakes are like the strawberry and chocolate today, right? So they have their mandrakes. They're saying, oh, the mandrakes. She's telling him, hey, let's get away. Uh, let's go. Uh, let's go to the field. Let's get a lodge. Let's just chill out. Uh, the mandrakes are coming, and they are building the fragrance. And she, and she says, and beside our doors are all the choice fruits. We know what the fruits are. Now, new as well as old, which I've laid up for you, oh, my beloved. What's happening? Look at what she's saying. She's saying, hey, I've got some old fruits, but I've got some new stuff for you, right? She's creating some anticipation in marriage. What is going on? They are playful. They are teasing each other. They are flirting with each other. They are creating anticipation. She is spicing things up in the marriage. This is okay. In marriage, you can do all this, right? It's okay. Right? This is wonderful, right? She's initiating. So it's not just the guy who does it. No, women, please help the men, right? The wives, the, the husband is a robot. Just help him a little bit. Train him, right? Like how you train a dog or something. Just keep doing it again and again. He will eventually get it, right? He will eventually get the cue. Now, I want to understand. Rom romance and intimacy is not an on-off switch. Right? You don't just switch it on and switch it off. It's not like that. You want a satisfying marriage you put in the effort before time, right? S send a message, right? Send a uh, emoji or something, right? Whatever that is, like a winking. Send, flirt with your spouse. It's okay. This is allowed. Maybe give a surprise hug or something. Use some code words to kind of surprise them, right? Send a surprise gift. Send some flirty messages. Whatever it takes, get the thing going, right? 
don't show up in the night sweaty and expect things to happen. You've got to mix it up a little bit, right? And when somebody does that, when your wife does that, when your husband does that, reciprocate it, my friends, reciprocate it. Don't just let them hang you. Reciprocate, reciprocate. So again, don't let the weight of responsibility kill your, kill the romance in your marriage. Lighten up a little. Enjoy a little bit. The greatest threat for your marriage is not the devil. Forget the devil. <laughs> He's busy. The greatest threat in your marriage is not other. The greatest threat in your marriage is your own passivity. The greatest threat in your marriage is going to be your own laziness in marriage. My friends, you want to rekindle, this is what you do. And it's not, and I, and I want to let you, it, it is not like the honeymoon. Honeymoon is a wonderful, precious season in life when you get married. It's not going to be that intense and that exciting, but it is going to be deeply satisfying. Right? It's going to be deeply satisfying. Is the fire fading in your marriage? Is it simmering? Is it going cold? My friend, remember your covenant. Remember your covenant. Romance and intimacy is a byproduct of declaring your covenant, remembering your covenant, declaring your satisfaction. Remember the covenant. Repent. If you've let the little foxes come, if you have not declared your love, if you, if you have wasted time and if you've given excuses, if, you, if there are other things that have come in between you as a married couple, if your time and priorities have changed, repent, confess, get help, talk to somebody, talk to each other, slowly build a fire back. It is possible. By God's grace, God gives us grace and strength to build a fire back. You don't have to lose hope. God delights in, in, in your joy. But God says, why don't you do this? Why don't you listen to me? Maybe there are other things that are taking priority in your marriage. Maybe work. It's a, it's a difficult season. It's busy. Maybe work is taking priority. Maybe it could be your own parents who are taking priority. It could be children. Maybe you've just had a baby. Or maybe you're, you're going through a difficult season with your children. If anything takes center stage in your marriage, your marriage is going to take a back seat. You've got to repent and you've got to bring it back. You've got to bring it back. Deal with those little foxes. And again, when you hear this, and I want to, I want to encourage you. When you hear something like this and you know God convicts you and you want to do something and you, want to, you don't know where to start and somebody is going to make that first awkward move, right? When they do that, reciprocate in love. Don't, don't laugh at them. Don't minimize what they're doing. Don't ignore them. Don't give excuses. Hear them out. Be active in showing love and care. This is how you build a flame. You don't snuff it out. You build a flame. It might be foolish. It might look simple. It might do all that. But this is how you build a flame. My friends, my desire is that even as we go through this book, that God would bring life and fun and laughter and joy and delight in your marriages. See this, if you're hearing this, I want you to pray. Really pray. This is not something that happens. This is the blessing of God. In Ecclesiastes it says, satisfaction comes from God. 
you, you pray, you pray that God will prepare your heart and the one you're going to marry to be able to be truly in covenant with each other. So here's the simple practical wisdom. Declare your satisfaction with each other. Plan for seclusion with each other. Do it as often as you can. Do it again and again. Do it daily or weekly or monthly or yearly. Tend to the fire. Don't let the fire die out. Let's pray. Father, even this morning, we just want to come before you and we want to bring we want to bring our lives before you we want to bring our marriages before you I, I pray that you will guard our hearts I pray that even as your word convicts us and even as your word revives us even as your word brings life to our own hearts that we will not let the word die out we will not ignore your word I pray that you will give us the courage, that you will give us a heart of obedience to be able to express and love and declare and plan and be intentional in our marriages. I pray for those who need help, may you give them help. I pray for those who need encouragement, that you will encourage them. I pray that even, even if it's difficult, even if it is challenging and even if the spouse does not respond, that, that our intentions will not be based on that, but we will be people of covenant in the marriage, that we will keep tending to the fire. I pray that you will help us. Help us, Lord. I thank you because you never give up on us. I thank you because you have good purposes for us. And I thank you because even in the midst of some of these challenges, we can find deep satisfaction in you. There is nothing that can be compared to you. You are a God who affirms us. You are a God who declares your satisfaction in us because of what Jesus has done on the cross for us. You are not a God who condemns us and makes us feel guilty and ashamed. No, oh, you cover us with robes of righteousness. You are a God who loves us. You wash us. I thank you because you will never leave us nor forsake us. And I pray that that will energize us. That will motivate us. The gospel will motivate us to be able to move towards our spouse in love and respect and honor. Help us, Lord. I pray for all the marriages. Oh, God. I pray that we will have deep and satisfying marriages. I pray that we will not let passivity enter our marriage. I pray that we will not, uh, Lord, let the weight of responsibilities in the world kill the romance in marriage. Help us. Oh, we need your help. We need your help. I pray for the singles in our church. I pray that even as they listen to your word, may you prepare their hearts. Help them not to awaken love before time, but as they hear these things, may they cherish it in their hearts. And may they be patient and wait for your time and your blessing and your approval when the time comes. Thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's sing in response to God's word.